442 Insider, brought to you in association with Rebel Sport, your football destination. Hello and welcome to our World Cup special edition of the 442 Insider podcast, which will include two very special guests here to discuss the first round of group games, including that Aussie disaster in Durban and the incessant droning that is people complaining about the Vuvuzela. Um, first of all, as both Andy and Paul are living out up in South Africa, it's me, Trevor, taking the reins for this week. And I'd like to welcome our two special guests, former Red Star Belgrade player Misha Radovic and former English Premier League defender Spencer Pryor to the show. How are you doing, lads? Good, thanks. Yeah, really good. Thanks for having us. Very well. Enjoying the World Cup? So far, yeah. It's not, it's not too bad, but some disappointing results for us, I guess, for Serbians and uh, English. But uh, mm. we still have some hope. Mm. I'm not a little bit worried, Spence, that it's a 66% Essex podcast this week with me and you on it. Oh, we're loving taking over this place. The Essex boys are running strong. Um, very tired. I've got to be honest, I didn't think I'd be as tired as I am watching the World Cup games. But, uh, you know, it's a bit of a battle keeping, keeping awake for some of the games. Yeah, I mean, you know, people are saying it's not been, you know, the greatest World Cup as such. I mean, the statistics say so. People say, you know, that it starts slowly because they don't want to lose their first game. But um, dragging up the, the average goals per game, we're looking at about 1.6 at the moment. And in previous years, the last three tournaments, it's been sort of closer to sort of 2.6 or 2.8. So there's certainly less goals. Um, we've got stacks of games to talk about, but mm. I want to chat about a couple of things before we do that. Things that people seem to be talking about more than the actual games. And first of all, it's the Jabulani ball. And we've got it here somewhere, haven't we? Yeah. Yep. So, like, I mean, what do you make of it? You guys both used to play. How do you think you would have got on with that? Have you had a kick? And obviously, Spence, through your company, Love Football, you're selling these balls as well. You know, what do you make of it? And to be honest with you, I think ball is equal for everybody. I just read it uh, yesterday in uh, in one of the papers that uh, German side is actually got advantage because they they played with uh, with the ball for last three months or so. I would say, uh, but uh, uh, that was optional for all the other uh, national teams to to have the ball. I think they benefit on that one because they decide to play that ball, and I think that was really smart thing to do. But uh, then uh, for all the other teams, you know, coming over there in World Cup. I think you know the ball is. Uh, if if there's any difficulties with the ball, it's the difficulties for every team. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't make that fuss of the ball or try to have any type of excuse for the play or for our results or anything got to do with the ball. You know. Sure. I mean, so that's my opinion. Spence. Yep. Misha touched on it there, but the leagues that had it previously were Germany, Netherlands, Argentina, and the uh, U.S. League. Um, that's teams that got three victories and a draw in their opening games, which makes people think that that's one of the reasons why they're yeah. doing well. And, and I th- I'm going to agree with that because if you watched the Germans and and even if, even if you watched the US against England, they they slapped that ball about, they passed it with real good pace on it, and it, it wasn't just the pass but the touch, the control. Um, be, being a centre back, I wouldn't like to control that ball it does bounce around a little bit and um, it does make it difficult for controlling and you know we've seen it flying around but that's been at altitude so now that a lot of the games are back at sea level there's no excuses for this altitude I know there's still games going on there but the, the, definitely the clubs and the, uh, the uh, sorry the countries that have played with this ball it does have an advantage 
Mm, so, I mean, I went out to Germany last year for the launch of the ball, mm. and, you know, they were talking about the testing it goes through, and you mentioned altitude there, but that was one of the things they brought up. They knew the World Cup was going to be in South Africa. They knew it was played at altitude, and they claimed at the time that this ball was designed so it could play in those conditions, but they seem to be backtracking a little bit on that now, and that's now their excuse. <laughs> it's the altitude. So yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, look, I, I'm, I'm quite happy with it. it you, you said the goals per game ratio's down, and... I, you know, this ball's meant to be flying all over the place and keepers aren't very happy with it, but, you know, we're still not seeing the goals per game ratio going up. So, you know, whether the ball has got that much of an impact, I don't really know. Mm, sure. Um, let's move on to the Vuvuzela before we start talking about the games. Um, that sound of droning bees that is sending some people a little bit mad, but, you know, what do you make of it? To, to be honest, I, I would find it difficult coping all the time if there's a completely new environment and uh, if some noise coming constantly, I would find, find to some uh, certain degree a little bit uh, uncomfortable. But uh, as again, as I think it's a little bit same what we talk about ball. You have to adjust. You're on that level. You have to adjust. You have to really face everything. Like for everybody else, is the same thing, and uh, keep uh, keep moving. And I know they make a little bit fast, but you know. That's my opinion about that one. Spence? Well, we, you know, it's, um, it's part of their culture. And for me personally, if you go in and play the World Cup in another country with different cultures and want to play different instruments, then you put up with it. Uh, I think that's all part of the experience. Um, I, they, I've got to be honest, there's certain coaches that I've played under or managers on the sideline that I'd quite enjoy having that constant noise so I couldn't hear the manager shout. <laughs> um, you know, so look, for me personally, I, I'm, I'm quite open to it. Uh, you know, we're only hearing it on the TV, but it's meant to be absolutely amazing that actually in the grounds when they're hearing this noise, it's meant to be a really I agree, good, good I agree with Trevor, you know, 100%. You know, particularly with that one that you say, sometimes you rather have any type of noise than noise coming from manager exactly. into what <laughs> remind you what you need to do and uh, stuff. Just, just to quote a player called Lionel Messi, he says, um, it's impossible to communicate in the pitch, it's like being deaf. Hey? <laughs> oh, nearly fell for that one as well. Um, so, yeah, we speak to Jacko about it in Section 3. He's over there and he loves it. And he even plays one down the phone to us. So that's definitely something to look forward to. But let's move on to the games, starting with Group A and the opener, South Africa-Mexico, which was one Or What do we make of that? I mean, the amount of chances Mexico had, they could have uh, won that game a few times over. Yeah, look, I, they could have. But, you know, that's, a, that's the consequences. If you don't take your chances, and, you know, we've seen it in a few games already that... If you don't take them, you're leaving yourself open to get punished. And South Africa, to be fair, I thought, you know, obviously that they went into this game on the back of 12 games unbeaten. And, you know, although they hadn't played a, a competitive game for a few years, it was, it, was good to, um, it was good for them to get the result, good for the tournament to have them sort of still in it. Obviously with the result this morning, it's had an impact. But, you know, it was great that they got underway and, and picked up a point. I agree 100% with Trevor, you know, I think it was a really big occasion for a host nation and the draw was good, uh, like I said, uh, Mexico missed chances, always like that, you get punished, punished really with result on the end of it, that's about it, about that one. Sure, I mean, the second game there was, was Uruguay-France, I mean, I wanted to talk about the French coach Raymond Dominic, who is fairly disliked in France, he's got some 
strange views on how to prepare his teams as in not practicing set pieces because it's the players' responsibility to mark up at set pieces and stuff like that. But in this particular game against Uruguay, they were taking on a very defensive Uruguay team and he left Henri and Maluda on the bench, played Anelka up front of his own. Anelka looked completely lost and it wasn't until the 71st minute did we see Henri, the 74th minute we saw Maluda and they made the difference. I mean, does this guy know what he's doing and is he going to be the reason that France get knocked out? My real opinion, because France was in group with Serbia, and uh, I watched them in both games in, in Paris and in Belgrade. Uh, in, in, uh, in Paris, actually, Serbia dominated first half, and uh, uh, France was uh, in the second half, scored uh, goals, and really a little bit lucky to win. But then opposite in Belgrade, uh, France came over there. It was some penalty penalty uh, for Serbia, in, uh, you know, that, that was a little bit doubtful. But then uh, with the ten men, uh, France really surprised me how they played. They, they played such a such a really good game, and so they outplayed Serbia with the ten uh, with the ten men in a particular midfield. So I was expecting really that they they're gonna lift lift from that game, but that doesn't doesn't really seem uh, uh, to happen. And uh, sometimes it's not enough to have really bad uh, to to have really uh, best players, and they have a lot of lot of good individuals but uh, you know unfortunately for France I don't think that that group of uh, players working uh, well as a group and uh, you know I expect those struggle to continue yeah look for, for me when Henri came on he, he, he came on out wide and I think that we I'm not seeing enough teams trying to go around the outside in this competition just generally we've seen really tight defences compact units um, especially the Koreans. I mean, the North Koreans, they, they park the bus. But you have to start to go around the outside. And Thierry Henry came on and, and did cause a little bit, a bit of uh, strife and, and they, they started to open up a bit. But, you know, with, it, in terms of the coach, um, he, he's got a bit of a licence to say and do what he likes because ultimately he's being replaced at the end of the competition with Laurent Blanc's going to take over the job. So, you know, they've already identified that he's not really the man for the job. And I just found it a bit strange going into the tournament that they've already announced who's going to be taking over. And, you know, that, that shows that they've got no confidence in the coach as a, as a federation, the uh, yeah. FFF. They, they've, just, they've actually shown that they, they don't back this coach. So exactly. yeah. I just found it strange that they, they've actually put him in for the tournament. Mm, while we're talking about major nations with um, questionable coaches, let's move on to Group B where Argentina and Nigeria... Are playing Argentina open with a win and a very attacking looking team. Are they a threat or has Maradona not got what it takes to lead them? Argentina is always a threat, no matter, in my opinion, no matter what the team they brought because of their, their style of, of play and everything. Uh, you know, they can talk about Mar- Maradona and, uh, you know, if, if he's the right coach or not, but Maradona is, in my opinion, the best player I ever, you know, played the game. And uh, I'm sure there is uh, people behind as well who are involved in that type of coaching uh, to helping anything that he needs. So, are they going to win the, the tournament? Certainly, they have a players and style to do that, you know, but uh, as, as, as you, Trevor, know as well, I agree with me, it's, that's football, that's World Cup, everything is open, unpredictable, and uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, of course, they have tremendous team, and uh, that's how I see them. Spence, how about that Nigerian goalkeeper, though? Some of the saves he managed to pull off. Pretty yeah. impressive. No problems with the Jabilani ball there? No, no problem at all. I mean, he, he managed to keep, keep the score down, and for me, I think Maradona is what he's done is he's put to rest um, 
the reputation that they went into this tournament with through the qualifying process. I mean, they're lucky to be here, really, but, you know, having, having got in the way that they did. But, you know, they, they, they've actually put that to rest, and I think they will be a real force with the firepower they've got up front. For sure. Um, the, you know, the, the front four that they have is just really, really frightening. Higuain, Tevez, you know, Messi, Sergio Aguera. Aguera didn't even start, I mean, in the game, did he? And he did Melito, scored in the Champions League yeah. final. And couldn't even get in the starting lineup. I mean, I've tipped him to be the top scorer in the comp, so it shows you what I know about the game. <laughs> exactly. Um, and the second game in Group mm. B was South Korea, Greece. South Korea looking very good or just Greece looking very bad which way around do you think that is Spence? Greece was shocking and didn't really turn up to the party um, you know we've got to give a bit of credit to South Korea I suppose because ultimately you've got to go and score goals to win games but Greece just looked absolutely awful on the night and uh, they're going to have to up their ante I mean obviously with their, the reputation that they've got being European champions we expect a little bit more from them and, uh, you know, I was a bit disappointed by them. Sure. For, for me as well, uh, I agree with Trevor completely, but also I, I watched the South Korea side against Serbia again uh, in some friendly game, and they impressed me in that game. Serbia won that friendly 1-0, but uh, they really tried to play, and, uh, uh, you know, it's a very interesting, that team, that South Korean team. And uh, for Greece... Uh, they done it once with some defending tactic and uh, you know being uh, united and uh, stuff. You know, in that when they won the championship, that that doesn't happen really often. Uh, I think I think really they're really the side who needs uh, really major changes in towards uh, from from everything to to change in the future. That's 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 how I see them in a the moment. Hmm. Sure. So you think they need to change their football philosophy on how they want to play? Because they are super defensive, well, right? Of, definitely. I mean, you can't always... I mean, of course, of course, the result is the most important thing, you know, for every, every nation, particularly in World Cup. But you can't have really that type of football all the time. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that even Greece supporters are not really happy. They want to see something about football, you know. It's not something... I mean, if, you, if, you, if, if, they, if the other team outplay you for 90 minutes and the, then you win the lucky goal 1-0, I mean, you can't go forever, I think, uh, with that type of uh, football. Mm, sure. Great stuff, guys. Well, we'll take a little break now. When we come back, we'll talk Group C, England's goalkeeping blunders. And unfortunately, we're going to have to talk Group D about Australia as well. Love to support your favourite soccer team on and off the pitch? Well, listen up, because whether you follow Manchester United or Melbourne Victory, Rebel Sports got all the gear you need. Now you can grab your team colours and wear them with pride with Rebel's massive English Premier League and A-League jersey sale. Grab selected men's jerseys from just $99.99. That's a saving of up to $40. Show your pride on and off the pitch this year. Hurry into Rebel Sport or shop online at rebelsport.com.au and get yourself a bargain before stocks run out. The 442 Insider, brought to you in association with Rebel Sport, your football destination. Welcome back. Uh, now we're going to move on to Group C, which started with England versus USA. And as usual, England promised a lot, delivered not a lot. Um, I want to bring up Mr Capello as the first talking point because he's sort of been untouchable, hasn't he, in, in the lead-up. English fans seem to like him and the English media seem to like him, which must be a rare, rare occasion that English managers get on well with the press. But 
you know, now they're saying he made a few mistakes in taking Ledley King, despite the fact he you know, could only play a handful of premiership games, starting James Milner, even though he was supposedly ill, then taking him off after half an hour. And another thing I wanted to ask you guys about is that apparently Capello doesn't tell his players who's playing in the team till just before the start of the game. And the reason he does that, because previously he used to tell them the night before, and he had a one occasion where a player got injured in the warm-up, and he had to bring someone in at the last minute, and he didn't feel that they were mentally prepared because they thought they weren't playing. So he keeps them on their toes to the last minute and then names them. Now, that's become a criticism, saying that Rob Green didn't know he was going to play and he wasn't ready. You know, you guys both played. When did you want to know that you were in the team? And surely if you're a professional footballer, you're always ready to play football. Absolutely. I, I, I agree that he didn't name the team. And the most successful time that I played was with Martin O'Neill. And he does exactly the same. He won't name the team. And we used to get the ump when a couple of players used to get changed before the game and we always oh go on please drop him go on drop him drop him leave him out because he's got his gear on already but you know you are you should always be prepared um, everybody in the squad should prepare and make sure they're ready that they, they, they shouldn't change, uh, be preparing any different whether they're sub playing whatever you know and I think that's just an excuse to say that he didn't name the team and I'm going to I'm going to agree that uh, I'm a bit surprised he did play with Rob Green. I would have liked to have seen Joe Hart coming because he was the most, he was the best keeper in England all, all season without a shadow. Just didn't fancy him because of his experience. But you know, how are you going to get international experience if you don't get the game? So I'm surprised he started with that. I'm surprised he did take Ledley King, being that he is injury prone. I'm surprised he did play Emil Heskey, who can't score for England. And you know, he's a, he's a main striker. And we saw he had a great chance one on one, and just decided to smash it. And, you know, it was straight at Tim Howard. So, few few surprises for me in the side. I, I, I've, I've got no issue with him starting with James Milner. Um, if the player is ill and he's still putting himself forward and saying he's fit and available, I would always start with the player and say, all right, give yeah, me the it. best you can, as long as you can, and then we'll take it from there. Rather than actually saying, well, I'll put you on the bench and protect you, as we've seen a little bit with Socceroos with yeah. a certain player. I'd rather just get the player out there and say, you give me what you can for as long as you can. And, uh, you know, I've got no issues with Capella being in charge. Mitchell, what was, what was your take on this game? Obviously a disappointing result for England, but not the end of the world. Look, it's not the end of the world, uh, uh, but then it shows again, even on that level, how nerves can play a really major factor in a, in a game. Uh, in, in my uh, in, in my uh, view, uh, goalkeeper was clearly. I mean, uh, you know, I saw in a couple of games, you know, in a season, but uh, you know, uh, that uh, that type of mistake can only come from nerves. And I think that he was also, you know, very uh, aware of it, you know, responsibility for England and stuff like that. And unfortunately, that's. Uh, doesn't happen often and then happens. But when that happened, you know, such a small little thing really can affect him very, very much. You know, it's in some, not really the most positive way. And uh, from all that pressure and expectations, and in my opinion, before this game, England is uh, one of, of my favorites to win the tournament. But uh, because of those little details now, you know, uh, I honestly... Honestly, really, I'm not changing my opinion about English uh, players, but you know, now as a team again, I think uh, 
I, I, me personally also thinking that Ferdinand not playing also it's a, it's a big factor in, in, in my view and uh, I'm not sure Capella of course got all the all the experience in the in the world and everything but uh, I'm just a little bit concerned now for the for the you know for the rest of the tournament and uh, if if they if they manage to regroup really from that uh, from that goalkeeper in goalkeeper as, as as you know it's really if not the most important really uh, you know most important uh, place in a, in the in a, in a team is really one of the most important thing and it's very sensitive so it's a, you know i have really uh, i'm just really don't know how they're going to respond uh, from from those little things in the next game so i mean i'm a west ham fan so i've been watching rob green all season and i think he is a good keeper but you know this isn't a tournament of good keepers is it? this is a tournament of the best keepers and i don't think he's quite international class but he's played in a team all season that have been battling their backsides off to just stay in the league you know and he, he hasn't had the best domestic season really you know so so to so to throw him straight from the frying pan straight into the fire really for the international setup I thought I think it was a big big gamble and he did obviously hasn't paid off having said that now I think he's got to stick with him I don't think he can change him because if he changes him now and leaves him out you might as well put him on a plane and no, send him I home agree. because you're showing no confidence in your goal. I agree with you, Trevor, for sure. I think I would, I would definitely have to stick with him because, uh, you know, to give him support now it would be even more further gamble, you know, with someone else. So. I think there is no choice there, but then again, then again, it just shows you really in, in the highest possible level, with the highest possible experience that you can have as a coach or, or team and everything, that what type of mistakes we're seeing. And then we are critical when it comes like, uh, you know, divisions down the lower coaches and stuff like that, you know, shows, I mean, we are both coaches now and it just proves you, I mean, as a coach, you learn forever and it's never ending, you know, so how big is that? So that's what I, that's what I would really f- find it interesting to edit because that's, that's the fact I mean you see the highest level what, what sort of mistakes coming you know Sure I'm quickly on the second game Algeria Slovenia didn't seem to be a lot to cause USA and England problems there they don't look great those two can we see anyone except England and USA getting out of that group Vince? No not really I don't think there's the, they, they huffed and puffed and it was a bit of a scrappy game Slovenia obviously got the win but you know, there, there isn't really too much to for in, in my mind, to sort of worry that one of the one of the two teams, England and the US, won't go through. We have, we have to also you know, give the US a bit of praise. You know, they're highly ranked in the world, and they're 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 quite a strong side, and they'll they'll upset someone in this tournament. Mm. Sure. Um, we just move on to to, to mm. Group D here. D, D for disaster, you could call it. Um, Misha, talk to us about Serbia Ghana because this was a a massive gain in terms of who who might take that second spot, and and Serbia went down one nil to to quite a you know fairly impressive or buoyant Ghana team at least. Well, again, you know we talk about Serbia now. You know players, you know they play you know, all biggest clubs in the in the in the world, and uh, you know and then we talk the uh, same little bit what I mentioned uh, in, English goalkeeper nerves played big part. You know you know you, you you got some players that you couldn't even recognize the. Of the, you know, they couldn't really take off that pressure and responsibility from the, from the importance of the result, which again surprised me because I thought, you know, now this time I was really confident about Serbia being my team, uh, 
on the tournament, you know, okay, first time we got from Ivanovic, Vidic, Tanković, uh, Kakrasic from all those players, you know, playing in the biggest club, okay, the confidence, stuff like that, but then I was really surprised, you know, particularly in the first half, first half an hour, you know, you, when you see, again, players with all that experience, you know, let the nerves play, uh, play, uh, play on you and then catch you basically on a half and, uh, yeah, and of course it's a surprise, but then again, you know, World Cup, and it's again, it's no surprise. Now, now I don't, I, uh, it's nearly mission impossible for Serbia now, he has to recover, and then uh, the way how they lost it with the handball, I mean, with the, with the penalty of the, of the, from the player who plays in the Bundesliga, from player who is really got all experience in the world, it just amazed me. And again, again, I, I come back on previously, you know, you can coach someone so much, but then you can, you can't coach someone, you know, to, 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 to tell them that not to, not to play with the handball, you know, five minutes before the game or six minutes, whatever it was. So that's what I find really, uh, I can't explain uh, those situations. I think Ghana really played very disciplined through my friend, uh, Mickey Rajavac is his coach over there for them and I'm happy for him personally but you know he took it very emotionally he was he was really you know happy for his team but very he's very patriotic and he, he didn't like Serbia losing so just to cut the story short now it's a big task you know Serbia has to bounce back win against Germany so really you know it's going to be very hard sure I mean Spence are Serbia potentially in a worse position than Australia I mean Australia have lost their game they're expecting to lose but Serbia, you know, have got Germany next. They lose that, they're out. They're out even before the Socceroos face Ghana. So, you know, they've got a real uphill battle now, haven't they? Yeah, that was a, it was a massive game. And I thought, you know, you looked at that and said, if, if there was a winner, whoever, whoever, whoever's going to lose that game, really, they're, they're pretty much gone. Let's be honest about it, you know. Um, Unless Germany do take the foot off the gas, but I can't, you just can't see that. So see that it was such a big game between those two. And, uh, you know, obviously with, with Ghana, without Michael Essien, they are significantly weaker, but they're still a, a, a very good side. And, uh, you know, same thing, I think if they get through, they'll... they'll have a good chance of going a little bit further in the competition. Sure, well, sure. let's move on to Germany, Australia. Um, we all know what the scoreline was, but um, you know what can we take from this game? And perhaps let's talk about tactics to begin with. Um, Pim's been playing that four-two-three-one for two and a half years, and all of a sudden he opts to play a four-four-two with two midfielders as attackers. You know why has he opted to do that? Did he get it wrong? And and also would it have mattered? You know would a change in tactics have meant that Australia would have got anything out of the game anyway? Look, I don't. I don't think they would have got anything out of the game anyway. I think the change of tactics did really sort of cause a, um, a, a few problems. Everybody's been on Pim's back for the last two years, the way that they've played um, and the way that they've grinded out results through Asian qualifying. And You know, it, it hasn't been pretty, but he has been getting results. And that's what it was about for him. Was to, he had a... He had a uh, an objective when he came here, which was to get them qualified for the World Cup, and, and he's achieved that. So to have actually gone there and, and changed the tactics at the very last minute, let's be honest, even against the USA, they didn't play that way. And, you know, the, the, the way that they went into the game, this, this could have been more. We know it could have been more than four. And the playing that offside track, I've got to be honest, as a defender, uh, and focusing predominantly on the way the back four play, I cannot believe... This high line nonsense that 
we see the Socceroos playing the arm in the air, Tony Adams and Steve Boldstar. I mean, it's, it's so old school. And the Germans obviously clocked it in the warm-up games and managed to break it down. And You know, if they keep playing that way through the tournament, they're going to concede an awful lot of goals. I think one of the problems with that system as well is that they've got a slow back for Australia. You know, Craig Moore and Lucas Neal are slow players. So if you do get caught out, if the, you know, the trap does get sprung, then they haven't got the pace to recover. You know, it's all over. Oh, they're, they're putting all their eggs in one basket by trying to play that offside trap. And, you know, if it doesn't work, you're in 1v1 with a keeper. And we saw, you know, um, they, they should have had more goals, Germany, through breaking the offside trap. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm just not a fan of playing that offside trap. Do your jobs, defend. You know, with their experienced players, read the game a little bit more rather than gambling and putting your arm up. I have to agree with Trevor 100%. You know, you don't really play those games and uh, try to make offsides in, in those situations whatsoever. Uh, we knew even before the tournament that uh, that uh, Craig Moore and uh, and Lucas Neal are a little bit getting slower and stuff like that. That's uh, something that you can't stop. You know, uh, you know that's uh, some natural process. But uh, yes, uh, of course, uh, you know it's uh, everybody. I think got quite right. Uh, you know. To, 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 to question, uh, to question coach why he changed something that he was playing for two years in such a, in such a short space and, uh, without even trying to, to play that system before. Of course, he has to have a full responsibility for that, you know, but, uh, but, uh, even, even if the system was, uh, different, I think, uh, Australia, in my opinion, from what I saw from those uh, friendly games, uh, didn't have much chance against Germany. So if, if, uh, you know, if, if the question is, are, are they going to be able to recover from that? You know, all indications are not that encouraging, but uh, let's wait and see now against Ghana. Mm, sure. Well, I know we've got, I mean, you've got players that can come in because they've basically got to go and win the two games, right? And there are players that can come in, we know that. Um, defensively, which is something that they've really got to try and tighten up first and foremost. I, I don't know who they're going to bring in. Who, who can they, you know, if we, as a West Ham supporter, we're, I mean, Lucas Neal, for me, personally, is a, is a better right-back than the centre-half. He's not a centre-back, he's a right-back. Yeah. Um, when he plays against good top, top-level players, that's his best position, is at full-back. So, but, but if you moved him out there, I mean... I mean, he, he played Chipperfield, Gus played Chipperfield in the centre of the last World Cup, but there's not a massive stock, is there, back there, no. of centre-backs? So even though he's playing you know, more nil there, there's not really that many other options. I mean, I was hoping that you know, Reese Williams would develop as a centre-back during the course of the season, but you know, he's had injury problems and not been able to make it. But that's the problem with this team, it's... No one's emerged in that four years. No, and uh, you know, expectations. I think it's not real, real realistic. I mean, this team, in my opinion, uh, have a peak. You know, with, with four years ago, and uh, in my opinion, they, they were just a normal process of going downhill. You know, with uh, with everything in the team, definitely needed to have uh, someone new that didn't emerge. So. I, I really don't know. You know, let's see. Let's see how how it's going to progress. But I don't have a big expectations uh, from this team personally. So I, I don't believe they can. I mean, I, I hope they. I hope they do. I mean, you know, really, my two teams, of course, Serbia and uh, and Australia. I, I, you know, I'm Serbian background. I live in Australia for 20 years. This is my home. 
coach here, and of course that I want Australia really old to to. But I'm not I'm not unfortunately too too optimistic. Oh, I've got to agree. I really hope they do have a successful tournament because we got a bucket load of Socceroos jerseys we've got to sell, and to be honest, we're going to get stuck with them if we don't carry on in the tournament. Yeah. Well, um, I hope they can help you out with that, Spence, in the uh, in the next game. But that's all for this section. When we come back, we'll try and race through Group E. F, G and H before hearing from Jacko in South Africa. It's about time. Time to catch up with my world and everyone in it. Time to salute Saturday night's party heroes and party zeros. Time to check if Chris needs a keeper for tomorrow's game. Time to see what the coach has planned for Sunday and who's going to be there. It's all about not wasting one drop of precious time. Time to stay in control. See your entire social universe from a single screen with Timescape. Only on the new Xperia X10 from Sony Ericsson. This is the 442 Insider, brought to you in association with Rebel Sport, your football destination, and Sony and Sony Ericsson, the only official technology providers of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Hello and welcome back. Next up for our World Cup chat is Group E. We'll start with uh, Netherlands, Denmark. Netherlands winning 2-0 there. A pretty impressive own goal to start the scoring as well. He managed to head it in the right direction, hit someone's back and then go in. But um, even though it's a good result for the Netherlands, I mean, how impressive were they? I mean, a lot of their shots were very wayward. They struggled to get into the games for periods. And, you know, they are one of the favourites after how well they qualified. Misha, what, what do you make of this Netherlands team? Our Netherlands team, it's, it's, uh, again, you know, traditionally they, they have a really good size on, uh, you know, in World Cups and stuff like that. I... Uh, Denmark, I watched uh, in a couple of occasions against Australia. They didn't, they didn't uh, impress me. So result was kind of uh, you expect the Netherlands to win, but uh, in this stage, you know, it's really for me. I think it's still a little bit uh, hard to 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 have a deep uh, look and uh, to, to to have a really like a big uh, say about Netherlands. So we have to wait how how they're progressing. Uh, you know. They have, of course, individuals, you know, capable of, uh, you know, playing a good football. But you know, it's still stage. I'm not too, I'm not too, too convinced, too convinced with the Netherlands yet in this point. Spence, oh, I love Wesley Schneider. I think he's just such a great, great player, and I'm expecting him to have a big impact on this tournament. Um, it's a little bit frustrated with Van Persie very wasteful, and you know, he's taking his Arsenal sort of style of play into here and. He had chances, um, but decided to cut back and try and beat the defender two or three times, which is very much the Arsenal way. And, you know, it it, it was a little bit frustrating at times. Denmark, nothing. Um, They won't go any further in this tournament. You know, uh, they're they're not offering very much. So, you know, they're a bit disappointing. But, you know, the more important thing for, for the Dutch was to get the win. Sure. I mean, the second uh, game in that group was probably a little bit of a surprise because Japan's been very poor in warm-up games. Yet they managed to turn over Cameroon one 0 Little stat for you: Japan only had three shots on goal during this game, the lowest for a winning team at the World Cup since 1966. So that tells you about the the quality of the game. But um, you know, can we see Japan coming coming through second in this group now? Sure. Uh, pro- probably anything can happen. I think they they can, of course, with uh, Denmark, you know, quality what they got and Cameroon as well. 
uh, not really show anything. Uh, I, I watch Cameroon with Serbia friendly, 4-3 for Serbia. Okay, you can't tell much uh, through that, those friendly games, but uh, then again, uh, you know, Japan losing, uh, Japanese side losing all the, the friendly games bef before. So yes, in this group now, as it is, uh, it looks like uh, Netherlands in, J in Japan in, in some way, but uh, you know, uh, I think it's kind of, if, if they work hard, the Japanese, and uh, I think uh, they deserve to win, and it's a big win for them, and I'm kind of happy for them uh, that they got results from this, uh, from this game. Oh, I'm really happy, and this just shows, obviously, what happened four years ago with the Socceroos turning Japan over. It shows how the Japanese have really progressed in four years. We just mentioned there's nothing coming through from the Socceroos, but the J-League seems to produce players, and they've got a decent squad. May not have got some shots away, but I thought they dominated the game. Um, as we go, I mean, looking at that group, that was a big, big game, and I think that whoever, like we said from one of the other groups, whoever won this game, I think has got the real chance of going through and getting second spot. Sure. Um, on to Group F, Italy, Paraguay. Um, in our World Cup supplement that came out the other month, we described Italy as the worst team to ever try and defend the World Cup. Um, some people said that was a little bit harsh, but after an opening draw with Paraguay... People might be believing us now. It's an aging squad, Michel. You know, has it It's a little time? bit harsh. It's a little bit harsh, but it's a little bit true as well. You know, uh, I love Italian football uh, in, in general. You know, in the true, true history of Italian football. But then again, in some instance. Uh, of course, I c I'm not comparing with Greece, but uh, again, uh, you know, I think really a little bit needs some refreshness from their system, you know, which is always the same for, for two and uh, for result and stuff like that. Uh, uh, how, how I see it, uh, you know, I really, I really expect really Italy to, to, to start again a little bit playing, but, but uh, in a moment I don't see the really like uh, big stars uh, or anyone, some playmaker type of player that can really overturn that play. So for me, Italy uh, it's just really uh, uh, the, 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 the <laughs> just gonna the only Italy that I really like through through history it's uh, Paolo Rossi, Bettega, Italy, Gentile, and uh, the, that team from 1982. That's my really, in my opinion, the, the best football. Last World Cup uh, is just unbelievable how some teams uh, purely have luck. Of course, you have to you have to play and you have to try everything to 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 have luck on your side, but. You know, even last tournament to to win, uh, you know, was just unbelievable. You know, because I think the the game just against Australia, they didn't deserve to win. And of course, such a tradition and such a such a great school. So anything can. Uh, uh, of course, I expect them to to pass the group. But uh, again, I don't really have uh, much opinion about. I, I respect Lippi more than anything as a coach, but I don't have really some. Be I'm not big fan of their play. Sure, Spence. I mean, mm -hmm. Italy traditionally start slowly, like a lot of the big nations do. I mean, I think they opened 1982 with a draw. I think they might have even drawn the first few games before they went on to win it. Um, you know, if there's one team that could get their act together and go on and win it, it might be Italy. No, they won't go on and win it. I, I mean, I, I, without reading the supplement, I actually tipped them on Fox to say that these are going to be the biggest disappointment of the of the tournament. You know, I think they'll get through the group. There's no question about that. But when you've got the two centre backs that you've got, aging players, both playing for Juventus, they lost 18 games this year for Juve, and that's a lot, a lot of games to be going in with your key back players. Buffon's now out injured with a hamstring. Yeah. Whether we'll yeah. see him again, and he, you know, we talked about goalkeepers. It, they're very influential and key key members of the side. And 
Whether we see him again or not, no, it sounds like it was a bit of a bad hamstring. I think I read it actually this morning that he's uh, got back, back injury and that he's out of the tournament. Well, there you go. So, I mean, that'll be a major impact. That's, a, that's just the, 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 the key defensive spine of your mm-hmm. team that I think is going to be quite significantly weaker than four years ago now. Sure, I mean, the second game in Group F was interesting. New Zealand, Slovakia. I mean, as these teams lined up, you, you looked at that Kiwi team and it had Ryan Nelson, but then it was just you know free agents, local league players, lower English league players, and they were playing that Slovakia team that had Premiership players, Serie A, Bundesliga, Turkish League, French League players, and then they go and get a draw. Now, I mean, is this you know one of the biggest shocks we've seen? I think it's just a classic situation of that the team, the, the team is better than just a group of individuals, and um, they were set out to play really, really well by Ricky Herbert, and they all knew their job. I think the conditions had a little bit of an impact. It was blowing an absolute gale, but um, you know, same for both teams, and all credit to them, they kept plugging away, and they deserved the draw in the end. Um, you know, I played against Rory Fallon and. Played with Chris Killen and seeing them boys playing international football is very, very funny. But, you know, they're, they're going to scrap and, you know, good luck to them. They managed to get a point in the tournament. It was a bit more than Socceroos have got so far. So, good work done to them. I like, I like the character of this New Zealand team and uh, it's not really much, but, you know, they, they start, they, they try to stay together and to be in composure. And I saw them against Australia. I saw them against Serbia in a friendly, which, they they uh, they won one nil and and uh, I really I was really really happy for them and uh, s- uh, proves again that you know you got a group of individuals you know like if Slovakian team the same little bit of uh, Serbian team uh, you know even you know Serbians got big, probably even on higher standards players but you know still shows uh, tells you what uh, that uh, that you know in, as individual and your quality you know has to come as a group as a team and uh, you know. For this New Zealand team, I'm really happy, and I and I really hope for some uh, really uh, miracle that they can pass the group. I really wish them. I think they deserve it with their attitude and uh, and then everything how they they uh, uh, stick together. So I, I was very happy for for them. I think miracle might be the right word if it did happen. Um, group G, which is uh, the group of death. I'm not sure a group with North Korea that could be called the group of death, but. <laughs> Ivory Coast, Portugal, nil-nil. Ronaldo again fire, uh, failing to fire for Portugal. I mean, he, he did hit the post. And then, of course, Brazil, North Korea. And North Korea gave him a little scare despite very defensive tactics. But that you've got to be expected if you're playing Brazil. Well, how do we see this group panning out? Boring old game, that first one. Ivory Coast, Portugal. Um, what a dull what, game. One shot on target each. <laughs> oh, right, so. Seriously, trying to watch that. It was. Um, I'd rather watch AFL, to be honest, and that's how dull it was. Um, so, uh, I thought, but the same thing, that Ivory Coast, Portugal, whoever lost, they're the team that would have gone. And they both played that way, that neither of them wanted to, to lose. They went out to, to not lose the game rather than to go and win it. Yes. So, you know, it was always going to be a bit of a tight spectacle. Obviously, the introduction of Didier Drogba coming back in was key for Ivory Coast, and he'll be a big player. In it. I'm surprised to see him playing. I mean, he'd broken his arm 11 days previous to that game, and he's out playing in sort of a lightweight cast. I mean, you, you, that, that's the World Cup for you, isn't it? That, that's how much you want to play. It's just it. unbelievable. All those, uh, you know, I heard from you now, uh, you know, I didn't know the details, but it's unbelievable in these days how they seem to recover, you know, with those injuries much... Uh, 
much quicker than before and I think maybe you know they're doing better job in those uh, you know doc- doctors and all of that but you know to break that uh, they have that type of injury and to come back so quickly just I find it very amazing so but then then again of course if you had some major uh, injury like that and that's that what I just to come back a little bit on, on QL as well I mean if, even if we decide to, to play them what's your expectation if you don't really play for a, such a long time and you know you don't have much minutes in the game you know what's your expectation same for for Drogba but you, you know uh, if he's capable of, of really being in that form it's just a miracle for me you know so mm, um, Brazil North Korea mm. respectable result for North Korea in um, in defeat, we're not sure if um, perhaps dictator Kim Jong's already edited the footage and they think they've won one nil over there. But um, you know, what do we make? I mean, Brazil not particularly, but a very un-Brazilian Brazil team, isn't this under Dunga? It is. It's completely different. But look at the North Koreans. They, I've said part of the bus before, but they really did five at the back. They played five four one, and it it absolutely was just camped out. Brazil couldn't break it down for the best part of an hour and it was a real battle but you know I think the key was once they got their first goal it was always going to open them up a little bit Kaká's obviously going to be a massive player for them going right through the tournament and they'll, they'll be really looking for him to inspire the players on Exactly what to say Brazil is Brazil always favourite you know, no matter nearly which team they bring and no matter what sort of play and whatever you know they come you know, so it's really I, I wouldn't really much comment. Of course, they won the game, and uh, but uh, but still, even like this, I think it's going to. Uh, I think that that group still is going to bring a lot of uh, uh, excitement because of the the games what's left to play, and uh, both both Brazil still have to play with the Portugal and Ivory Coast, and I think it's going to be really what's going to be. You know, I can't I can't really. Of course, Brazil is. Uh, a little bit uh, favourite uh, with that one, but I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't be surprised with any, any result of. I'd uh, love to know uh, uh, in know. a sweepstake who's going to do the most stepovers, Ronaldo or Rubinho. <laughs> we should run a little book and see who's going to do the most in that game. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Finally, on to Group H, um, Chile edging out Honduras, but Christ, they had plenty of chances. They should have killed off that game, shouldn't they? Chile is uh, it's really like a very interesting team, and uh, you know they they showed you know really like a big desire for win, and uh, they played uh, tried tried to play game you know chances and stuff like that. So you know I, I haven't I haven't really seen them before much to their competition you know over there in uh, South in South America, but uh, you know they they have a decent team, and uh, that's that's much I can say for, for this for this one. Yeah, they went out obviously to win the game, which was a, uh, the the key. For in this game because obviously everyone thinks Spain's going to be the side that will go through the, uh, the group but so, so they're all battling for this second spot so, and, and, and fair play to Chile they came out and really took the game by the scruff of their neck and they deserve their win and, and like you said could have gone on and won by more goals definitely and the final game we're going to chat about the shock of the tournament so far at least Spain one of the favourites coming out losing 1-0 to Switzerland um, it has to be said they were really well organised Switzerland and they've, they've got Hitzfeld there who is alongside Mourinho one of only two coaches to have won the Champions League with two different sides and you know he's got that side well set up and Spain had a lot of possession but possession in areas where they can't you know you can't score from there if you're just knocking it around the midfield um, were Spain a disappointment or do you think they'll be able to open up better teams who will come at them no i <laughs> they, they were a bit disappointing when they did get in the final third like you said you know Xavi and Alonso I expect a little bit uh, uh, Iniesta sorry I expect a little bit more from 
um, them two. Got down the sides a little bit, got some reasonable balling, but the two centre-backs from Switzerland were just absolutely sensational. They, they were first to every ball in the box and, and really snuffed them out. Um, Fernando Torres obviously came into the game and he showed how rusty he is. I mean, he hadn't played since April. The touch wasn't there, was it, a few times? It just wasn't. And, you know, as they do progress in the tournament, I'm sure we'll see a lot more from him. It's, it's really interesting that they've still lost, but we, we still expect them to go through. And, you know, you don't normally expect that from the team that loses the first game. Mm, yeah. You have to put me out of this one, unfortunately, because I, I, mi- I taped the game and I didn't have a chance to see it. But just uh, to add it on a Spain, uh, by far, really, the, in my opinion, by the team and the, the, the team to beat in the World Cup and proves again that you know predictions are one thing and then uh, playing that uh, such a tournament is completely different thing and uh, particularly they have what they have traditionally even before the great teams and failing fail big on a big stage I haven't seen the game so I can't really comment on that one as a you know for the Spain uh, you know I really really think that they have really the best really a team but then again you know you, mm. I, I'm not able much to comment this morning having, having seen it I thought one of the one of the key factors was that Senderos got injured really early on because mm. I'm not a massive Senderos fan and for, for them to have lost him and then the other guys come on they yeah. just the, the, the two defenders they just dominated it they really did They and they held it all together sure well that's the first round of games Sam going to take a break but after that we're going to speak to Jacko who's obviously over in South Africa to find out how him and Paul are getting on. As an official partner of FIFA, Sony has opened 3D pavilions at FIFA FanFest sites in seven countries across the globe. Starting at Nelson Mandela Square, Johannesburg, six more FIFA FanFest sites are located in Berlin, Mexico City, Paris, Rio de Janeiro, Rome and Sydney. In addition to showcasing a host of Sony Entertainment, for the first time, football fans will be able to experience the 3D world created by Sony when they watch highlights of the 2010 FIFA World Cup in 3D. This is the 442 Insider, brought to you in association with Rebel Sport, your football destination, and Sony and Sony Ericsson, the only official technology providers of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. How are you doing Thank you. 
obviously at Germany, Australia. What did you make of that, and how did the crowd take that hammering? Oh, well, it was, it was one of those games where we, after about 70 minutes, just wanted to be over. Um, I think that's partly because we got an eight-hour coach there at home to the line, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, when you spend two and a half years qualifying and, and preparing for that, and to see pretty much all over after half an hour, um, it was pretty soul-destroying for everyone. I'm sure lots of the players as well, but yeah, but there were fans and fans and as you say, and uh, there was really good support, and unfortunately, uh, the highlight of the evening was the singing of the anthem by the fans, I think. Yeah, like you, you're at the Ghana game at the weekend. What's everyone thinking about that game? Like, think you could bounce back there? Well, I mean, I was at the end of the talking about this, like, probably after a year of the qualifier, um, the biggest game in cross island football because the last thing that the game needs back home on shores for the the Serbian game to be meaningless um, because all the the fans and the the you know rugby and AFL meeting were just on top completely, and that's the last thing that um, the football needs really. So um, they have to go out and get a win. Obviously, team has to attack. You know, that's good. That's good enough anymore. So um, I don't think you know. Thank you. 
Because whether you follow Manchester United or Melbourne Victory, Rebel Sports got all the gear you need. Now you can grab your team colours and wear them with pride with Rebel's massive English Premier League and A-League jersey sale. Grab selected men's jerseys from just $99.99. That's a saving of up to $40. Show your pride on and off the pitch this year. Hurry into Rebel Sport or shop online at rebelsport.com.au and get yourself a bargain before stocks run out. The 442 Insider, brought to you in association with Rebel Sport, your football destination. Welcome back, and on to our final section. We're going to preview the games coming up in this next set of fixtures. Um, starting tonight, where 9.30 will be Argentina, South Korea, Greece versus Nigeria at midnight, and France, Mexico at 4.30am on the Friday morning. Um, what do we make of those those games? Anyone's you're looking forward to in particular, guys? I want to see the uh, the Argentina Korea game. I think straight up first one tonight. Obviously, whoever wins this will be through, and it'll be interesting to see if whether they actually do come out and play good open football and go and try and win the game, or whether they're quite content to pick a point up each. So, um, I'm not expecting the South Koreans to come out and really open up. It's going to be more of a, uh, for, the, for the Argentinians to go and break them down, but 
you know, that's going to be a, a, a key game for me. Mm, sure. Um, Michelle, how about France and Mexico? Because, you know, Mexico didn't look too bad in, the, in their opening game, whereas France really did. I mean, could there be a, a shock on the cards there? I don't know really what to expect uh, from 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 team like France at all. Now, now I'm completely puzzled, you know, like with everything what's going on over now it's nearly a couple of years, so uh, no predictions there. You know, like uh, anything, anything can you know anything can happen in France, Mexico uh, game, this one, uh, uh, Greece, uh, Nigeria. I mean, those you know that Greek team, you know, finally, I mean. I hope they, 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 they realize that there's nothing left any longer in towards any calculation and stuff like that, you know, not even, you know, I'm just wondering if they're capable of, of really playing some really attacking football finally and try to, to, do, to do any major impact. And uh, so I, I agree that Argentina and South Korea, it would be probably the most interesting uh, from those, those three games. So um, Friday night, Germany, Serbia at 9.30, Slovenia, USA at midnight. And into Saturday morning will be England, Algeria. Um, Misha, talk to us about Germany, Serbia. Obviously, a defeat there, and it's it's all over. Okay, I have to stand up. You know, from from my predictions before the World Cup, before the World Cup, uh, and I, I I have to remind myself what I said. I predicted Serbia is going to win the group. That was included, uh, you know, to even to beat Germany. But now, after everything what I saw and uh, attitude and everything what those teams uh, brought on the field, uh, you know, I can't really I can't really say that any longer. You know, uh, if Serbia has got individuals to to do the damage to Germany, most definitely yes. But as a team, doesn't look like that at all. So you know, all I'm hoping for my nation and for our football, particularly because we had a, such a bad World Cup last time. All I wish, and you know, if I wish the time coach, I would really uh, uh, be really uh, demanding in towards really to 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 give not 100% in towards. Uh, effort, but really to try to play some some really memorable football, and then if you lose, if you go down, at least that you try try something. But you know, I don't have really uh, big. Uh, I'm not too optimistic for the Serbia. Germany really impressed, like for uh, you know everybody else in this uh, World Cup with their attitude, with their play and stuff like that. So. That's that's what I can do. Yes, I do hope that Serbia might, you know, get things together and stuff, but really small chances. Sure, um, Spence, we want Germany to win, though, don't we? That would knock Serbia out, and then that last game, Australia-Serbia, will be a, a dead rubber. Can you see that happening? No. Uh, look, I, I'm, I'm expecting more from Serbia tonight, um, but it will be a better test for the Germans to see really where they are um, and, and how sharp they are playing and... and where their form is going into the into the the knockout stages, but for me personally, there's only one game of the night, and you know I'll be up at 4:30 cheering on the English boys because yeah. I'm not allowed to wear my England shirt on box until they win, so I'm desperate for them to win a game, and and then we'll sort of find out where they are as well because obviously with the US playing Slovakia, uh, Slovenia beforehand, I think goal difference is going to make an impact on the, on the who who finishes top of the group. Mm, sure. Um, Saturday night, we've got the Netherlands and Japan at 9.30. Mm. Ghana, Australia at midnight, and then into Sunday morning, we've got Cameroon, Denmark. Well, let, let's talk about Ghana, Australia first. When Australia seemed to have an old, slow, low-on-confidence defence, we'll have to take on Ghana, who've got a young, quick, confident mm. attack. Um, but it's, it's a must-win game for Australia, and they're known for pulling out results that perhaps they don't... 
you know, expect them to get. But how do we see this one turning out? I I would find uh, really difficult to see that Australia can bounce back. I hope and I really wish, uh, you know, you know, hope so that they can, you know. But particularly with the things that we he- we hear coming from the from the team itself in South Africa, and uh, if that's really the truth, that uh, that that some players are really even would like to, uh, to be without the uh, coach even in this moment is just really serious serious thing and uh, i really don't know how 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 everything will work out i mean if that's the true you know i unfortunately i i just i just expect you know the end of australia you know if that's the true uh, i'm i'm just hoping that the Socceroos get a result i mean this week's been so flat here I was here four years ago as a visitor when the World Cup was going on before the Italy game and the place was buzzing, really, really buzzing and everyone had real football fever but on the back of what happened against Germany it just seems to have been a little bit flat this week so I'm just really desperately hoping that they put in a good performance and get a result and uh, you know, you talk about their really fast front line that Ghana have got I don't think that that's so much the threat it's more the, the third man run from midfield that's what caused them the yeah, problem against yeah, the Germans. Yeah. It wasn't the front line that, that, that caused the problem. It was the, the players running from deep. And, you know, we spoke on it before. If they play that stupid high line stuff, then I expect the Ghanaians to break it down. Um, a lot of people seem to be hoping that Harry Kiel's going to come back and all of a sudden play like he's Leeds Day and, and, and get us through. I mean, this is a guy that's played a handful of football all year. And two now minutes. Two minutes, well. Two minutes of football this year. And, you know, just to expect him to be able to step in before the tournament where he's saying, I'm following the medical staff and we're on track and everything's going right, we're where we want to be. I'm really sorry, but you, you can't pull the wall over everybody's eyes. The guy's not fit, but he's there as an impact and it's got to be that they do whatever they can to him, give him a jab, give him some Panadol, put him out on a field and go and do some stuff for your country now. Mm, sure. Um, let, let, let's move on to, to Sunday night, where uh, Slovakia, Paraguay is the 9.30. Italy, New Zealand at midnight. Never thought I'd say that. It was going to be a World Cup game. And then Brazil, Ivory Coast at 4.30am. So, you know, let's talk about those last two games. Um, Italy, New Zealand. It would be a massive shock if anything other than Italy victory happened there. Not for Do me. I tell you straight away, the way how I see it, not for me at all. I, I'm, I think the, uh, New Zealand, of course, they're going to be defend, uh, in defence and everything, sure, you know, uh, nothing can surprise me. Draw, draw against Italy, would, I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever, you know, even, even with a team, of course, that is a quality of Italy and, of course, it's more quality team than, uh, than New Zealand. So, like, uh, in, those, in, those, in those three games on uh, Sunday, uh, it's very open in all three. Not open, I, don't, I can't really see that New Zealand can beat Italy, but surprised with the draw, yes. Slovakia and Paraguay, you can expect uh, absolutely anything in that game. And also, and also, I'm not too convinced that Brazil 100% will, will have a win against Ivory Coast either. Mm. I, I can't see New Zealand getting anything from Italy, I've got to be honest. But set pieces will be hugely key for New Zealand. Attacking set pieces. They're a big side, aren't they, New Zealand? They are big units, and uh, you know they'll, they'll that that will be really important. You know the, the Italians got caught out from a set piece against Paraguay, and, and 
you know, that's where uh, Ricky Herbert will have them practicing free kicks and corners all week, mm. both attacking and defending as well, making sure they're nice and tight at the back. Because I think, well, that's how the, the Italians scored against Paraguay, and wasn't it? The keeper got sucked under the ball, and um, it'd be great if they got a result. It really would, um, but I just don't expect it. And you said Brazil Ivory Coast. Could be a good open game that one actually. Both of them want to obviously finish top of the group, and it'll be interesting to see who goes on and, yeah. and how they play in that game. And that's probably one of the pick of the the group games, isn't it? And finally, let's talk about Monday night. It's Portugal, North Korea at 9:30, Chile, Switzerland at midnight, and Spain, Honduras on Tuesday morning, 4:30. I mean, is there a bit of shock potential for for that Portugal North Korea game? I mean, not so much a North Korea in, but perhaps they could squeeze a point out of Portugal, who have looked. Um, out of sorts, all the way in the lead up. I find it, I find it difficult because uh, you know the, um, Portugal must win that game, and uh, I find it very difficult uh, for North, Tokyo, North Korea to, to to surprise in this game. Um, you know that's for sure. You know I think Portugal we have to win. Uh, Chile, Switzerland, uh, that's that's a really open um, open one. Uh, you know like uh, that, that would be very interesting. And uh, Spain, Honduras. Of course, there is no question uh, what's going to happen there. You know that must uh, Spain must win that game, and uh, and I'm uh, <coughs> I'm confident they can they can do it. So that's how I see those three games. Oh, it's time for Cristiano Ronaldo to step up a little bit. I think you know. <coughs> one goal in two years or yeah, one goal in a year time. for Portugal. Uh, yeah, but it's Ned. They're at the World Cup now, so it's time for him to start showing that he's really worth his money and all this you know this stuff that Nike are throwing behind him. So. I want to see Portugal obviously be successful in this competition. I'd, I'd really like it, but um, North Korea, what they showed, they were tough to break down. Brazil really battled to break them down, and you know if, they're going to expect bits of magic from Ronaldo to try and break that down. Sure. The Chile Switzerland game, you know, Massive if luck. one of them wins, they're they're, through, they're qualified, yeah. and no one would have expected, or, or, or I say no one, when they went into the tournament. One of those two sides would have thought, right, we're going to have a battle out for second place and this will be the game that will decide it. And, it, and it's transpired that way. But you know, it actually could be that whoever wins this game tops the group. Well, that, that's interesting because, you know, assuming Spain go through second, then they'll clash with that group of deaths. So, I mean, it, you know, it could be Portugal-Spain. Imagine that in the round of 16, one of the favourites going out that early. Um, Look, guys, thanks for coming in. Maybe we'll just wrap up by you telling us what you've been up to. Spence, you've been doing your coaching and working for your company, Love Football. How's all that going? Yeah, the the football stuff's been going really well, obviously, with the World Cup going on and uh, everyone looking at all the jerseys and bits and pieces there. And um, we've been doing a lot of work with clubs, basically up in Queensland and in New South Wales as well. Um, on a personal note, I've just finished the FFA skills acquisition course, so I'm now, what the FFA would like us to be called is elite football skills teachers. Ooh, so you're going to get cards made up? I'm going to get some leather elbow pads for <laughs> me jackets, because if I'm a teacher now, you know, that's the sort of thing we have to wear and get dressed in the dark, so... Um, no, hopefully something comes of that, and I'm enjoying working with uh, the young kids that we are and trying to help the young players of the future here and up the standard a little bit. Sure, and Mitchell, obviously you've, you've got your, your large collection of A licences that you've managed to accumulate, and you, you'll be doing stuff with Soccer Sydney Academy. I mean, how's all that going? 
Yeah, fine. Thanks very much. Yes, I am UFIA licensed coach, and uh, yeah, I've been working for uh, for AC Milan Academy for last two years with uh, Andrea Icardi, and also with the Soccer Sydney, which is my academy based on uh, Eastern Suburbs, but it's just on a really uh, once a week some additional training actually for the kids in Eastern Suburbs. Uh, uh, you know, I'm just really trying to to develop and uh, you know in, to help in towards development and stuff like that. So. Yes, uh, that's been going on with me, you know, I'm busy, but, you know, of course, that uh, we would like to get involved in a <clears throat> bigger picture and a bigger sta stage more uh, in towards, uh, you know, helping for development in this country. Sure. Okay, well, that's all we've got time for this week in this monster-sized podcast. Thanks to Misha and Spence for coming in. That's all we've got. Speak to you next week. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.